Welcome to The Feast Life, where we empower you, the modern homeschool mom, to create a life and homeschool you love. One founded on faith, family, freedom, and fun. I'm your host, Julie Ross, creator of the award-winning homeschool curriculum, A Gentle Feast, and a certified Christian life coach. For more information on today's episode and to access my free gift for you, check out thefeastlife.me. Charlotte Mason once said, life should be all living, not a mere tedious passing of time. So on this show, we seek to savor the feast of life. Girl, grab your favorite beverage and pull up a chair. You are welcome at this table. And I am here today with Carrie Beck. And I am so excited to talk to you because we are going to be answering the number one question I get from homeschool parents. The number one problem that they name when I say, if you could wave a magic wand and make your biggest homeschooling issue disappear, what would it be? And Carrie is the expert to talk about it. So Carrie, (laughs) what's the problem? Everybody says. I know when you said like, that I'm the expert at this, but she did talk, say, hey, talk to me about why kids resist their schoolwork. And we do get that question a lot. So there it is, you know. ding, ding, ding. The number one issue people say is my kid is resisting their schoolwork. So if you can relate, you are in for a treat today. So before I get started, Carrie, can you just tell folks about yourself if they're not familiar with you? Yeah, we homeschooled for 10 years. I was a public school teacher originally, and then we sent our kids to the private Christian school for a little while. And then when my oldest was in fourth grade, we started in fifth grade and homeschooled for 10 more years. And it was the best thing. I said I would never homeschool because I thought homeschoolers were just too lazy to get out of bed and get their kids to school. Being the public school teacher. That is a big appeal. (laughs) I know. So that was sort of my thought. But then, you know, I once I got into it, I love teaching and all that kind of stuff. But we also opened an actual physical store here in town. And so moms could, this is before the internet. And all, I mean, you had a little bit of internet, but they could come and actually look at the books. And I realized how many moms were so serious about making the best decisions that they could. And that was really encouraging to me, you know, just to see, I mean, I wanted the best for my kids, but just watching them come in and ask questions and try to match whatever book or curriculum they needed with each of their children. So anyway, we opened up a school, uh, a store for a little while, and then we moved it all online because we moved to Idaho for about four years. So my husband could go to seminary and then we came home and the kids graduated, but I have continued to work in the homeschool industry. I speak, I've written some books. I've talked a lot about leadership education, raising your kids to be Christian leaders instead of following the crowd. And that's just near and dear to my heart, but pretty much any, the other thing is that love of learning, and that's part of leadership education. I'll talk a little bit about that today as well. Anyway, my kids are off and grown. I have three kids. One, two are married, my two girls, and they each have two kids. They live here in Texas, and my son is single, and he lives in Houston. So I live right smack dab in the middle of Austin, Dallas, and Houston, and I can get to them pretty quickly. That so. sounds like a dream. I would love that someday when all five of mine are grown to be able to pour it out to all the different grandkids oh yes well I just babysat a four-year-old and a two-year-old last week 
was my thank you to God. When I got home, I was like, my back does not hurt. This is so good. Because <laughs> yeah. pretty much every time, the problem is the two-year-old's so heavy and he still sleeps in a crib that's way down there. And anyway, I mean, it's not like he's fat or anything. He's just a two-year-old, you know? Yeah. So yeah. we had fun. We made a thankful tree on craft paper and we did all sorts of fun little things that I used to do with my kids. So. Yes, I'm so looking forward to that. So Based on your experience homeschooling your own kids for 10 years and then working so many years since with homeschool moms, um, I'm sure you have gotten this question as well. How do I help my kids stop resisting schoolwork? What do you say? I think you need to take a step back. But even before I answer that question, a thought just came through my mind because I have spoken at different conferences for I don't know how long. And one thing that I don't believe is when these speakers get up and say, oh, my kids just love homeschool and everything is just wonderful. And I'm thinking, seriously, my kids do not always like homeschooling. And so a lot of times mm. when I talk about a love of learning, I'm pretty honest about it because my kids did not always. There are certain things they loved and they all had different strengths and weaknesses. And so, you know, it their resistance was in different areas a lot of times. Yes. But yes. I would just caution you if you're listening to someone that says they just their kids are just perfect and everything I would caution you to go find someone that's maybe a lot more honest or something <laughs> really kids I mean yeah there are some kids I love I've always liked school but for the most part most kids are going to resist if nothing else just because they're having a bad day you know and so yeah that's I such a good perspective I think that's so key because I do think we do hear that message and usually it's because someone's trying to sell us something so it's like your kids will absolutely love this every day it'll just be sunshine and rainbows if you buy this xyz and you have to be very cautious I agree because it's like they're selling some ideal that's not necessarily really reality and I think about my own childhood, right? And I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure some of the other moms can relate to how I feel. I was like you. I loved school mainly because I was like an overachiever child and I loved getting those scratch and stiff stickers and stars and things like that on my papers. And But there was lots of subjects I didn't like. There were lots of teachers throughout my schooling that I didn't like. Math was like pulling teeth. So even though I was a kid who loved learning, right? And I had great teachers and great experiences. I still resisted too. That's kind of normal, right? We all have a sin nature, you know? Yeah. So we're just not going to always, everything's made us differently, you know? Um, I think one of the things is you were saying that too, is before we can go and find a solution, I think we need to come back and find out what is the reason your kids are resisting? A lot of times we just think they're too lazy or they're being disobedient. And that mm -hmm. is definitely a problem, okay? I'm not saying that isn't. But there are some other issues that I think people need to take a step back and really see what is the root cause? Not just what they're saying, but is there something in their heart? Is something going bad that day? You know, I think sometimes kids resist because they may have sat and listened to a video explanation or mom may have explained it, but they still really don't understand and they don't really know how to express that to their parents. And so that may be part of it. It could be that they are bored. And so it's not that it's too difficult. It's so easy. They're just like, oh, I don't really want to do anything, you know? 
Another thing I've noticed is uh, distractions. Like, um, you know, if moms, like for me, I'm sitting at the table where when my kids were little, they would come to me and this was our time just one-on-one -on -one that I could actually help them with things I needed to help them with. In another room, they were over there doing their work, supposedly. But who knows? They could have been totally distracted. So right. that's why they were resisting it. And another distraction, oh, this lovely little thing, if your kids have a phone and it's beeping all the time, that could be one. And then seriously, attitude really is a problem. You know, sometimes it really is an attitude issue. Sometimes it's really a character issue as well. So I think the first thing we need to do is take a step back, look at what is the reason that your child is resisting? Then we can move on and find a solution. That's a really great point. I think sometimes it's hard to pin down what the reason actually is. And sometimes it's actually hard to actually be willing to pause what we're doing long enough to figure out what the reason is. Because when we meet that resistance, our automatic response, speaking from experience, is we take it personally. Instead of going, okay, what's going on with the child? It's like you're saying, we take it personally, we make up a story of how they're being disobedient, or they don't respect us, or we're doing all this work, making all these lessons, and they don't care. And we make it mean all about us, or I'm doing something wrong, or maybe I bought the wrong curriculum, or maybe, I and we see it as a problem that we have to fix right then, which can make us very anxious, controlling, and whatnot. And instead of going, let's pause, <laughs> let's take a break if we need to, and Let's actually maybe have a discussion to see what's happening. So true. And I love that, you know, I love the word gentle in your company because I think gentle to me means slow down and pay attention to what's going on. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was probably a failure at that with my kids. It's a lot easier to do it with my grandkids. Yes. Um, I know one of <laughs> it is like, okay. I was with my grand, with my daughter, and her husband was out of town, and I was trying to get the four-year-old to do something, and she just sort of was totally disrespectful, and she ended up running to her mom, and um, her mom sent her back, and as a grandma, as Gigi, I could just wait for her to come back. I knelt down. I got eye to eye with her, and I had a conversation with her, and so I do, I do think sometimes we are in the midst, like my daughter and I see it. That's how I was. Well, I was in the midst of trying to juggle all these things that I couldn't really go to the heart. And that's the one thing mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't do as good a job as I could. I could change behavior modification and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But really getting to their heart, because when you get to their heart, you start to find out why are they really resisting? And if you can have a conversation, especially away from the school table, take them out for ice cream or something and just listen and eventually sort of lead into whatever the situation is. And this goes as much for schoolwork as it is with just character behavior and character training as well, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's such a good point that sometimes you need to get away from the situation. When your child is in the middle of math and they're like, I don't want to do this. This is horrible. That's not the time to have a discussion about why they might be resisting math. Okay. <laughs> because They're frustrated. Their emotions are high. Most likely if you're telling yourself they're being so rude or what, you know, your emotions are high and the two high emotions here are not going to go well. <laughs> might be, okay. Let's take a break. 
why don't you go play? I always, I'm constantly sending my kids outside, go play on the trampoline, go on the swings, go run around the house five times, go be in your room and do whatever. I'm going to take a time out <laughs> right now and go in the bathroom by myself. And then let's reconvene and let's have a talk about it. And I, I've seen like, especially like for math, for instance, I remember a time when one of my children were learning long division and she got really frustrated. And she was like, I hate math. I'm so bad at math. I'm not doing this. And like, push your stuff out, you know? And we took a break and I come back and I started talking to her and I told her, I said, be very careful with the words that you say about yourself. Yes. So saying I'm bad at math. And if you believe that about yourself, you will find evidence to support that belief that you're bad at math. How about, I don't know how to do this yet. No one knows how to lo do long division the first time they try it. It is the hardest thing ever. I don't do long division. I use a calculator and I'm a grown up, right? It's hard. <laughs> so just use the word yet. See that you're growing and you're processing it. Anyway, that child is in geometry right now in high school and she takes it elsewhere and came home the other day. She's like, mom, I totally forgot I had a quiz today. And I was like, what? She's like, no, it's good. I totally forgot. I didn't even study, but I had a hundred percent. And like, Everyone else in my class failed the test. She's wow. like, I just love math. See? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I said, hey, you remember the time when you were in fourth grade, you were learning long division and you like freaked out that one day? She goes, yeah. And I'm like, aren't you so glad you didn't believe you were bad at it? And so I think See, sometimes like our kids are, they hear us being hard on ourselves and hard on them. And they have that voice in their head, that inner critic as well. That's so good. Speaking of math, and hadn't really thought about this, my middle, well, neither of my girls like math, but my middle daughter really didn't. Like, she's in seventh grade, and she still didn't know her times tables, and I had bought everything and tried everything, so I completely took her off of math. She did not do math in homeschool, either a half a year or a whole year. I wanted to just sort of give her a break and change her mindset for that. Mm -hmm. And then when she came back, we started math again. I said, here's the times table. Use it anytime you want. By the time she got to algebra, she knew all her times tables. Now, she is a big reader and everything. She was into the literature stuff. But I just, we all needed a break from math. At least yep. she and I both needed yep, that. that tension, and so yeah. I, there's nothing. People are like, oh, they'll get so far behind. Well, I mean, I had a son, my son loved math, but we didn't actually do math. People think I'm crazy. We didn't actually do math till he was in fifth or sixth grade. And in a year and a half, he caught up all the way to sixth grade. He actually went to a private school in here in town at 10th, 11th and 12th. And the first year he won the math award at this private school. Wow. And I'm like, y'all don't understand. We have this thing about comparing ourselves to the public school. And my my daughter, my middle daughter probably would have failed math because she just couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. But when her brain's in college, she still didn't like math, but she tutored her friends in math because she knew how to do it. So taking a break is a really important thing when kids resist school I think yeah and, and I, I agree I think it's like okay we're not taking a break forever okay we may take a break in the moment we may take a break for a couple of days we might just put the subject on hold for a little bit and maybe do it in a different way to kind of break the resistance and I think yes. it depends on how long that pattern has gone because what happens is if it, from what I've observed when a child resists and it creates 
a lot of tension, creates explosion, right? It creates a lot of drama in the house. It's kind of in a way reinforcing that and they can really get into a habit of resistance really quickly. And so it's, how do you change a bad habit? We have to replace it with a good one. <laughs> you can't that just is so get good. Habit. But I would say like moms, one thing you might look at yourself first. I'm like, you're like, I can't really pinpoint this. There are two kinds of, I mean, obviously there's all kinds of moms, but one mom is pushing them so hard to just keep going, going, going. And they want those bragging rights that, oh, my kid's above grade level or whatever. Mm -hmm. That kid is going to resist. And so if you are doing that, like I always wanted to be a grade above grade level as a student. And so I just assumed, I was even asking the girls in high school, hey, do y'all want to graduate a year early? And they just looked at me like, no way, we enjoy high school. We're, we want to finish all four years. I'm like, okay, fine. So you have that one. Then you have the mom who really isn't pushing enough. So we do need to yes. find that balance in right. there. We right. want to challenge our kids, but we don't want to challenge them so much that they're frustrated and then they totally resist. And then on the other hand, we don't, if we aren't challenging them, they become bored and then they want to just sit around and do nothing and nothing yeah. is of interest. So I think, especially with that bored child, I would really encourage moms to find what that child's interest is and let them sort of dive deep into that interest. For instance, my, okay, this is how old we are, but Xbox was really big. I don't know what they are. My grandkids have all that kind of stuff, but Xbox was really big. And if I had told him in ninth grade, hey, why don't you write your research paper on Xbox? He would have like flipped out because, and I probably would have let him, I don't know what, he chose something else, but he would have done just as good a job learning the whole research process, doing it in a topic that he was really interested in. He learned the history, the math, the science, the, excuse me, all of that. Another story, excuse me. Sorry. When he was in seventh grade, he was supposed to write a paper about a person. And I'm thinking, oh, we're studying ancient Rome. Let's write about an emperor. <laughs> He's just looking at me like, really, mom? Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is not going over very well. So the next day, I was like, we just bought a book for him on Derek Cheater. And for those of you that don't know, Major League Baseball, great shortstop, wonderful baseball player. I said, what if you write it on Derek Cheater? His eyes got big and he was excited. He's still learning how to write a paper. Yep. He's still learning how to research and how to organize his thoughts. We even went further into that and turned it into some of his science projects. And he learned the physics of baseball and throwing and hitting and all of that as well. And then we probably did math as well. But I think a lot of times when kids resist, maybe we're pushing them down into an area that they're not interested in mm -hmm. and that we need to maybe let them choose some topics that allows them, I'm big on leadership, that allows them to take leadership and ownership in whatever it is they're learning. Having said that, I am not saying you don't do some of the things that you think are important. You know, for us in high school, we had one major course. It was a Christian humanities course, and that covered a lot of stuff. But after that, they could do whatever. My 
oldest daughter never finished algebra two. She went on to get a college degree in two years and then got a teaching certificate here in Texas and taught at-risk kids. So I think some of it is getting out of that public school mentality and seeing what is best for your family and for each of your kids as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think there's so we can get we have to do this and that, and we have all these boxes that we have to check and that becomes our focus. And so when our child is resisting, they're trying to communicate, right? And sometimes it might just be, like I said, a habit of complaining mm-hmm. and that we've allowed. And, you know, I can get into that myself, like, oh, I got to do this again, or, oh, I got to, we got to go get in the car again, drive to soccer. Like, if I don't catch myself, I can go right. Cause you know, like you said, we're, we have that sin nature. Like my, compl- I can go to the complaining real fast here. So I have to train myself to catch my thoughts and express gratitude instead, but our kids don't have that mindfulness or that awareness. So, you know, their natural nature is going to come out with the complaining and it might just be, they just needed to vet. I gave this example once that I went to the gym one day and I have a trainer that I meet in the mornings. And normally I love going, I love her. She's hilarious, but there's just one day I just was not feeling it. And she's like, okay, Julie, you got to do like three more. And I'm like, do I really have to, can we just stop now? <laughs> Is this over yet? <laughs> she's like, nope, you need 10 more pounds. No, I'm fine. I don't really need to, I don't want to push myself. Like, and I'm a grown up, and I'm paying this person. Right. <laughs> and so it was so eye opening for me that day at the gym of like, why am I upset when my kids are saying that same kind of things to me? Sometimes they might just are expressing it. Or like you said, they might just be having a bad morning. Yeah, because I have bad mornings too. And I think right. our kids teach us so often. I mean, we sort of judge our kids a little bit stronger than we judge ourselves, you know, and we do need to pay attention. I love what you're saying because I'm really big about speaking truth to ourselves. And that's what our kids need to do when they're resisting and speaking it out loud. One of the things that when people are talking to me about bad attitudes, I'm always like, go to God's word and find a verse that will deal with this. And if it's like maybe, you know, a Colossians, oh, here, I did have it written down. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God or work as hard as you can. This says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, that's a long thing, but with our kids, we should say, you need to work everything for the glory of God. It isn't just for me. And I do think sometimes we argue with them instead of taking them to God's word and then using that truth and if they're having a you know like um i can do all things in christ who strengthens me if that is a problem and your kids say i can't do it let them memorize that verse and you memorize it with them and i would say every morning at breakfast i mean sooner or later they're going to have it memorized read it out loud for at least a month and let that soak in but it's really important that they say it out loud they can start to change their thoughts because i mean we grow new neurons every night in our brain pass and we want to just get those paths going in truth so if they have a negative attitude or a bad attitude i would really say find a verse that goes along with it and then from there just remind them of that verse and re- if they will practice it and start their day with that verse I think it will be good um, just saying it out loud I personally think will help them catch 
that negative attitude and you can gently catch that. I will tell you too, when I did this myself, this is several years ago, I remember I did okay here, but every time I'd be in the car and I started running those reels around in my head and I was like, oh, I'm going to say this and I need to do this. And it would take me longer. Now I can pretty much catch those negative attitudes within a minute or two. And I'm like, no, I am not even going to waste my time doing that. As adults, we can do that. Now we need to be able to, once you practice it, learn it, model it yourself, then I do think it's important you begin to teach your kids. Again, something I learned as an adult, I wish I had taught my kids. I've talked to my kids about it. I do have the opportunity to talk to, not as much with the grandkids because I'm not there every day, but I will share this one story. My granddaughter, four, was really scared to go to bed one night. And she's scared there are going to be monsters. This has nothing to do with resisting schoolwork, but she's scared. And so I just prayed for her. And then afterwards, I said, you know what, Leandry? And I prayed that God would take those fear thoughts and just give her peace. And I'm like, God will really, we're just going to pray out loud and trust God in the name of Jesus that he will give you peaceful thoughts. And so the next night seemed to go a lot better. But even a four-year-old, you can start to teach some of these things as well. Yeah. I love that because I think creating new neural pathways is this key. Like I said, it can become, when you start to have a bad attitude, <laughs> it becomes a habit and then you find more things to complain about, right? And so we can let our kids get away with it a little bit and then it becomes a habit and then that's a problem, right? And the way that we can combat that is by building the new neural pathways, like God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So giving them new thoughts to think, we might have to help them with that. So giving them the new scripture, talking words of life over them, what you see for them in their future. Like someday you're going to be an amazing, like my son, I was telling someday you're going to be an amazing engineer. You are so creative and you're always coming up with new inventions. Like I can't wait to see what God is going to use for you. Isn't this so great that you get to learn this algebra right now that someday is going to like make some really cool invention? What is the point of some of this too? I think sometimes it's like, why am I learning about the Roman Empire? Like, how does this help me with my life? You know, <laughs> to give our kids some context and not just because, do it because I said so, you know, that they need that why Charlotte Mason talks about the compelling idea behind what they're doing. And not that you need to explain and justify everything, but as they get older, especially, they need some of that rationale of like, how is this actually going to help me in real life? Um, but I also love the, the verse that you talked about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think we are building, we want to build resilient kids that have the mental and emotional fortitude to do hard things. And so I'm always telling my kids, like, God has given you his strength and you can do hard things. So I know this math problem is really hard, but you can do hard things. I know this reading is hard, but you can do hard things. And it's a balance of pushing, but we can become, like you said, really resistant to doing hard things because it's our nature. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to challenge ourselves. We don't want to stretch and grow and we're grownups, right? So our kids have that. Well, the same thing, like, no, I'm just going to stay here where my brain is comfortable, where I know this stuff. It's kind of risky and scary to try to learn something new. Definitely. It is scary. And we need to, and there is a balance, 
But I do think, I mean, I just, those are some of the things we did some of that, but I just wish I had done more of that. And obviously you do the best you can in whatever years you are with your kids. And I'm not going to go beat myself up over it, but I do want to encourage my own kids to be able to do some of these things that I didn't know because I learned things that my parents didn't know. And so I think each generation, hopefully they will do things sooner and know a little bit more about how to raise kids and how to work with them in their heart as well. Yeah, sure. One other thing I will just say is the the biggest thing I would tell you to do if you have a kid that's resisting is start praying. I mean, prayer will change things, but it may not change in a day, a week, a month, or even a year, but it will change. And I really would encourage you to pray for each of your kids and pray specifically if they're struggling. And if you're not sure what the problem is, just we think God's not going to answer us. He wants to answer us. So just ask him, what is the problem here? What do I need to know to be able to help this child with whatever the situation? What because they're resisting schoolwork? What is it? Please show me. And he's going to be faithful to show us as well. So that would be really the overall arching theme of just going to God and asking him and trusting and believing that he would really show you that. Yeah, Charlotte Mason talks about partnering with the Holy Spirit, you know, that the divine teacher is the one who teaches our children. He does not teach in multitudes, but he considers each individual child. And so he's the one teaching your child. He has a plan and a purpose. And like you said, sometimes I'm amazed with my older children too, how we weave different experiences and things that I thought they would never like together. Actually, this just happened like right before I got on this call, my 22 year old called me, she's going to Michael's. And she wants to embroider a sweater. And I was dying laughing because I tried so hard when they were young, you know, Charlotte Mason handicrafts. And I bought, all, I was like, we have all the embroidery stuff here. She's like, we do. I'm like, yeah. Remember when I tried to teach you that when you were like eight and <laughs> you had wanted nothing to do with it. I'm like, I still have the hoops and the thread and all that stuff in the closet. So you don't need to buy anything at Michael's. Just come home and use that. She's like, okay, great. Perfect. What? <laughs> How many years is that? 12 years, 20 years later, she's wanting to now do whatever that we never got to. It's so funny to me because you have no idea these little seeds and they can totally resist or they say, I don't know. And then years later, something comes out that you explained that you thought nobody was paying attention to that day or that thing that they didn't like. They're now totally into you don't you can't control that sometimes. So true. Our four-year-old, we took our four, the four-year-old grandkid to church this summer and um, she was coloring because she didn't want to go into the nursery. And so she was coloring um, and the pastor's giving an illustration and he sort of gets to the punchline and she laughs out loud. And everyone around her is like, and the kid next to me who's single, he's like 20-something, he's like, I didn't think she was even listening. Mm-hmm. And so you, those seeds, you don't really know just how God's using the little things that you say or the little activities as well. And even those young kids are just a sponge and soaking it all in. Today's episode is brought to you by The Confident Homeschool Mom. Are you tired of just trying to survive to the end of the day? Overwhelmed juggling the demands of homeschooling and family life? Want to create a life and homeschool you actually love? Let me show you how. The Confident Homeschool Mom is a unique program that combines homeschooling wisdom and life coaching tools to help you break free from the negative patterns that are keeping you stuck. 
Currently, the doors to the Confident Homeschool Mom are now open. So if you are listening to this episode before February 4th, 2004, make sure you head on over and check it out. Go to thefeastlife.me forward slash join to check out the Confident Homeschool Mom course. I hope to see you inside. Yeah, my one daughter is funny. She's 14 now. And when she was five, I was trying to get her to read her this early chapter book for history. It was called Sam the Minuteman. It's about the American Revolution, like one of those early reader chapter book things. And she did the biggest fit. I'm not reading that. That I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. You don't need to read it to me today, but I'm going to read it to you. Okay, fine. So she sat there like this. And I read it to her. And then the next day I brought out Sam the Minuteman. And she's like, I'm not reading that. I told you yesterday, I'm not reading that. And I was like, well, that's fine. Do you want me to read it to you again today? Or would you like to read a page? And I can read a page. She said that for a minute. She's like, well, I guess we could take turns. It's like, okay. So we did that. I read a page. She read a page. Next day, brought out Sam the Minuteman again. <laughs> and I said, do you want, how do you want to read this today? She goes, I'll read it to you. 30 seconds. Like, no, no emotion, no drama. Like the other two days didn't even happen, right? She read it. It was great. At the end of the year, I have them do this thing where they pick out like their favorite book and they do like a little video talking about the book. Guess what book she picked? I am the Minute Man. The Minute Man. Okay. Last week we were cleaning up the house. So this was nine years ago. This happened. She goes, Mom, we still have this book. She's like, Oh, this is the best book. I'm so glad you say that. I can't wait to read it to my kids. This is what she said. Wow. Do you remember that big drama? I guess you don't when you were five and I told her the story and stuff. And it was just like, again, it was one of those stories where it's like mind blowing to me how something can seem so hard in the moment, but I didn't give up on her. Yeah. And I'm like, I believe in you. I could have forced it. We could have had a big drama. I could have been like, you're reading this book no matter what. And if you don't read this book, you're not going to get to do blah, 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 whatever. But I was like, let me help you. Yes. And by me helping her, she saw that she could actually do it. Yeah. But like I said, learning's hard and it's risky. And so instead of making it more threatening, we can come alongside of them as like their coach. And they're like, we're all in this together. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to help you with the long division problem. Maybe instead of 10 problems, let's just do two and we'll do them together today. Okay. Okay. Well then tomorrow let's do five problems. Okay. I'll do these ones with you. Okay. Now you do one by yourself. It's kind of letting go of, but when we go, nope, you have to do it. You have to do all 20 of them. And you're going to sit there until that's finished. (laughs) We can kind of enforce that resistance. I think a little more than if we, give them grace and realize how hard this process is. And if you've ever tried to do anything new as an adult, like I tried to learn guitar a couple of years ago, it was so hard. It was so horrible. <laughs> and that's why I think as parents, why it's so important for us to keep growing and learning so that we can understand what it's like. I love that. And one thing I tell parents, I'm like, you get upset because your eight-year-old can't get the grammar correct. And you're 38, you have 30 years more experience in language. You need to give them grace and sit with, don't take that red pen and mark all over it. They don't want to see blood just like you didn't want to as a kid. And just 
work on one thing at a time and then move forward. Let them get, I don't know, capital letters at the beginning of a sentence or whatever it is that they're working on. And you don't have to correct every single mistake that they're doing. And I love the word that one coach and I think journey because a coach does not go get in the game and throw the ball, but they're on the sidelines preparing them, walking with them every single day during the week until the game. And so that's what we are. Till they get in the game of life as adult, we're walking with them, we're planning the the drills that they need, and we're hopefully preparing them. And I love the idea of you do one, I do one. We would do that because oh, I had a son who didn't want to read anything. I'd read a page and he I'd say what that's about. He goes, I don't know. And he's like sixth grade. <laughs> okay, dokie. Well, let's do this again a different way. <laughs> yep. That's I love that you brought that up though, because I get asked about that all the time. Like, what do I do? Should I reread it to them? Is this book too hard? Should I pick a different one? I don't think they're like getting this whole like reading and narrating things. They keep telling me they don't know. And yeah, what what did you end up doing? What you suggest with him we would it just depended one thing I really did was I really searched for books that he was interested in reading was not his thing and now he is 30 years old he and I are trading book titles all the time so there is hope all right um but mostly I would read and the other thing is I didn't make him sit like this while I was reading he had a baseball and a glove and he would be throwing it up if he didn't get it and it was just one page I was like well let's read this again and then I maybe give him a question of something to actually specific to listen for he may not remember everything on the page but at least it gave him something to be focused on while we were reading it I like your idea too of reading a page and then him reading a page and I know we did some popcorn reading like that as well yeah yeah you raised a really good point and that is movement so if your kid is resisting maybe you need to change the scenery Maybe you need to change what you're doing. I mean, I can't tell you when my son was little how many lessons we did on the swings or on the trampoline or riding the skateboard back and forth in the driveway while I was giving multiplication facts. Like we had to be moving constantly. And so maybe if your kids are resisting, okay, well, let's do this lesson under the table. Oh, let's build a fort to read our book in today. I think we get so caught up in checking off all the boxes and making sure we're getting through all the lesson plans that we don't allow ourselves to just be creative and play like our kids do. Oh, maybe we could bring out some smelly markers and do our math problems with smelly markers. That sounds fun today. That breaking through by doing something completely different. I think that's so good. And I just think, I mean, moms are like, well, then what do I do? I mean, I can't tell you every single thing that you should do, but you can look at, like I did have a daughter who just loved artsy kinds of things. So we just let him do colorful things and use markers and everything. My son, he just wanted to get it done and go outside and throw a ball or whatever. And I did, he would seriously, during most read alouds, he had a ball like this, or he was going back and forth. He was, hands were busy because that was the best way that he would listen while we were doing some work. But, and he's very smart. I didn't really have to deal with intelligent. I mean, I know some people have kids that really, really can't learn. And so you've got to really slow down and look and see what that problem is. And you may actually have to go get some help from someone if there's some sort of special need. And that is okay. I think we are so much more open to finding help than I know when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, if you were in the special ed class, that was looked down upon. And now it's just not. And so I do think if it's, admit to yourself you're not doing your kids any kind of 
favor if you just ignore their special needs. So I do think there are kids that have those special needs and special learning situations. Uh, God blessed me with three kids that didn't, except for my non-math daughters, but they still could figure it out eventually. But I do think that's one other thing is just don't, if they're resisting, it really may be a problem and you may actually need to have them tested. And like all three of my oldest kids have had to have speech. I mean, my grandkids that are now eight, six and four have had to go to speech and get help. They're, they know it, but they're just not enunciating. And now we can see a difference in the help that they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like you don't want to necessarily jump to that as like the first it's yeah. like, oh, this must mean they have whatever and diagnose them with whatever. But at some point, if it continues to be a pattern and you've worked on the attitudes and you've yeah. prayed and you've tried to be a coach to them and you've changed your location and your situation and it is still resisting and you've asked them what if they wanted to read a book about something else or brought in some other interests or those kind of things and you've been teaching them how to do hard things and it's still resisting. Yes go seek help. I have five special needs kids and I am so grateful that I got them the help when I was able to and re- learn some things because it had helped their learning take off once they were able to receive some of the help and services that they had. And it gave me more patience and grace for their differences and learning to accommodate them as well. So I'm not definitely, that is definitely a, a very good point. And I'm glad you brought that up at the end. Um, before we end, do you have any closing um, remarks or encouragement? First thing I would say is one, take a breath and relax. And I love, sometimes we really seriously need to just go to the bathroom and lock the door and sit there for a minute or two because our emotions get so caught up in it. Yes. But when you go to the bathroom by yourself, this is probably not something I did very well. Pray, like ask God right then, God, I need wisdom. And you say you're going to give me wisdom if I will ask in faith. So please help me know what to do with this child. And it may be wait, but prayer to me is prayer and speaking truth to yourself and helping your kids speak truth to themselves. To me, if they don't learn what cells are and you know what some kind of chemical thing is and this time in history that's okay if they can grow up to be able to learn on their own and be able to depend on God they will be able to be successful because he will take care of them and he will show them the things that they need to know and learn you just need to journey with them so you need to model that continuous trust and faith in God and letting like you said the Holy Spirit do his work and that's hard because you have to go like this with your hands and just trust that he's doing the work in his timing as well and yes that's very hard because it's like I want the results and I want the results yesterday yeah and having the faith to allow God to work in his timing and in his way it is it is very very hard but that is where the beauty comes that's where in that surrender when we get to the end of ourselves and we see that's when we can see him show up and we can see him change and then we realize it really had nothing to do with us in the first place so and I think it's so important to have people so like both of us can go, okay, now we're on the other side. We have adult kids. There's hope. You're going to get there. And we can speak these words into the younger moms. But this is why I think it's so important to have people in your life who are more, I don't know, older, more advanced in their homeschooling journey 
to be a mentor for you. I know you have a program that you wanted to share with us. Can you talk about some of the, the bundle that you wanted to share with everyone and some of the mentors? Yes, I mean, we have lots of different resources. I already told you about our leadership course, and that's only open once a year. But one thing, actually, when I was getting ready to start my leadership course, I had some, some moms that were in the very beginning class. And I said, if I want to give a bonus to anyone that joins next month. And this one, and I said, here are two or three. And she said, you need to give away, I mean, I don't remember what it was for, but drama-free mom bundle. And she said, I already own this bundle and it helped me change my mindset from that public mindset, that routine of the public school to just really get into a good homeschool mindset. And so it's called my drama-free mom bundle. We have an ebook that talks about finding peace in our life, our home, and our homeschool. And then there are two video workshops that come with it and an audio workshop as well. And I wanted to give all your readers, I believe it's, I forgot to write it down. I think it was 30%. 30%. Um, yes, it's code gentle. So we'll put that link if anyone's interested in the drama-free mom bundle into the show notes. Yeah. And if you use code gentle, then you can save 30%, which is great. Yep. That's so generous of you. Thank you so much. Cause I know it is so key to keep filling our minds as homeschool moms with truth and with hope. And I honestly, I can't get enough of it. Like, <laughs> and if you are feeling discouraged and you're having that resistance with your children and you need hope and encouragement, um, I highly recommend that you check this bundle out. So thank you so much for being generous enough to allow that. Um, that is really kind of you. And thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. This was a really great conversation. Well, same here. I really enjoyed it. And if they want to reach out to me, feel free to reach out yeah. to me. And I know you have links to my website and different groups and stuff like that. Julie and I are both here to help. So we just want to, I want to just journey with moms and help them avoid the mistakes that I made. Oh, you're so, so sweet. Yes, we will definitely put all the social channels in our show notes. So please check Carrie out. She is phenomenal. So thank you so much. Hey there, Julie Ross here. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like this show, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review in iTunes. This really does help people learn about the podcast. And each month I will pick a winner to receive a free gift. Don't forget to check out all the free resources we created for you at thefeastlife.me. Thank you.